Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. So gear up with the crew as they talk about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. All right, hey everybody, it's Captain Kyle Johnson here with the speckled truth. Been a little while since uh, we've been able to put out some content. Chris and I have been extremely busy and we apologize for that, but I have one here I think that we're all really going to like and everybody that's super technical like me is going to really, really enjoy this. I've, I've had the chance to talk to Curtis a little bit and I've been getting to know him and it seems like he really knows his stuff when it comes to this. And um, his name is Curtis Graves. He works at Grundens. And what we're going to talk about today is waders and, you know, Grundens waders. They just came out with new ones. I've been wearing them for a couple months now. Uh, I'm pretty happy with them, but I haven't really put a ton of time in them, to be honest with you, but I, I like what I see so far. But <clears throat> we're going to get into quite a few things here and uh, just kind of dive right into it. Uh, Curtis is the um, director of marketing over at Grundens, and I'm going to let him kind of take it from here and introduce himself and his background and how he got to where he's at today. So take it away, Curtis. Thank you. Super excited to come on the podcast and, uh, man, you know, like love talking about waiters and we spend a lot of time like talking product to kind of end this job. Um, and I guess correction is I'm a director of product. Uh, Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's okay. No, no stress. I grew up in coastal North Carolina. Um, you know, like kid, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a lot, you know, from the point that I guess by the time I, I was probably six or seven, I was, um, I was, I w- had gotten into fishing with my, my granddad and my dad, you know, for I, my vividly, re- my first memory of fishing, um, was fishing with hot dogs, uh, down at a dock. And we, we caught some, we, we caught some bluegill and it was like kind of a moment for me that like, I never, never really looked back from that. Um, I bought a, my, I bought a $5 John boat in high school and I put a, uh, I put a four horsepower motor on that thing. And I, that, that was like that. I thought I had made it in life. Um, because I could go, I could, I could then, you know, throw that boat in the back of my truck and get down to the water and I can go fish, you know? And that was like, um, that was, that was a big moment for me. I think like the moment that I could, like the moment that I could drive and the moment that I could put this boat in the back of the truck, um, we've, we've, and then I had an electric motor. We fished everything from farm ponds to, um, you know, I, I grew up in a a coastal Carolina. So the Pasco tank river was there and, um, we fished a lot, you know, and back then, you know, like you, the, you could go down to Nags Head, you go down to Oregon Inlet and fish for stripers. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a ton, you know, that was for me, that was like, that was, that was like kind of what really defined me. Um, you know, my, my, the, the funny thing is my class ring had hunting and fishing on it. Um, that was the, that was my activity. Cause that's really what I did. Um, awesome. Uh, I went, you know, like went to college at ECU, um, and didn't really, you know, I didn't even like, you, you just don't realize a job like this exists when you're a kid, you know, like, you know, like everybody, everybody I went to high school with went to work for the Ford plant. And, uh, um, I, I met a product manager. I worked, I worked in a bike shop cause we, like I was, I was way into, I st- you know, still ride a lot of mountain bikes and, um, I raced a lot for a few years there. Um, but, uh, I, um, I, I we were having a clinic and the sales rep brought in the product manager, um, 
And I, I mean, like one of my other, like, just kind of like, like I knew at that moment, that's what I wanted to do in life. Um, but to get from there, from a shop kid in the back of the shop to working for a brand, it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a long journey and, you know, and like it, so, you know, I, I met my wife, we moved out West, we moved to, to, to Oregon. I got a job working in the ski industry, answering the telephone, uh, and dealing with like warranties of upset customers, you know, for Solomon for years. And, um, eventually moved my way from, you know, from the guy on the phone to somebody that was like helping out with the product team on, you know, like moonlighting with, you know, with tuning skis and things like that. And then ultimately moved into, um, uh, ultimately moved into a product role there. And, uh, um, and then you kind of move on, you know, you get an opportunity to go to a different brand, went to work for black diamond for a couple of years. Um, met, uh, you know, made some lifelong friendships there and lifelong, just like mentors were around, you know, like building product. And that's kind of where I got into every, you know, like you learn how to, you, you, you look at a company that makes life-saving equipment from climbing gear to, you know, to gear you use in the mountains that you have to trust your life on. And, uh, and definitely learn, you know, about the QA, QC side of things through the crew there. And, and, um, and then I had an amazing opportunity. The phone rang one day of like, had a chance to go, um, to interview at Sims fishing. And, uh, that's kind of where it all came together. I think from a passion perspective, as well as, um, really learning a like technical apparel, you know, like that, not, we're not talking like, we're not talking shirts and slacks here. This is like how to build equipment that you wear on your body was, you know, like, and, um, spent, uh, spent a solid six years at Sims, you know, from various roles there in, um, you know, in, in product management, as well as like, you know, uh, built, you know, the uh, first materials team that, that those guys, uh, like that's still, you know, like the team's there today, you know, rad, rad crew. Um, you know, and, and really that was about, you know, the ingredient engineering that was going into some of the products that are, that are still in the market. Um, and then, uh, Grunin's, you know, I've always, you know, like working in this world, you know, like you, you look at these brands that you're like, you have a massive amount of respect for. Um, and Grunin's was always one of those. Cause you look at those, you're like, those guys build, build stuff for like the worst conditions and, you know, on earth and, uh, um, got it, got a call to, to go just sit in for an interview and see, you kick the tires and see what, what, what they're all about. Um, uh, and then made the move over there six years ago, almost kind of this week. Uh, I just had my six year anniversary here. Um, and you know, the, and I, and I made that move because I saw the DNA that that brand had and I saw the process that, um, that, that the team was putting in place around building kind of the next generation of, of sport fishing brand. And, they, and there was a lot that had to get cleaned up. We, we, the, there were some, the first couple of years were long, long nights of, you know, like we're building this thing kind of out of a, out of a commercial fishing DNA, but like without really the sport fishing, um, product collection at all. And we launched the Gore line. Um, we launched, uh, that was a big moment for this brand. We launched footwear, you know, footwear has been a, been a big I guess big learning for me because I was not a footwear guy and, you know, like, uh, so I had to double down on like the hard work and put some people around me that knew footwear better than I did. And, um, you know, and it was, it was, we've, I think we've done a lot with the footwear line that I would have not have guessed, like, you know, like for what it's done for this brand as far as as acquiring new consumers and opening doors at shops that just, they're looking for kind of that next, kind of that next frontier of boots. And, uh, it, it's it's funny you say that because <laughs> I said we we haven't had this conversation before, obviously, and that's kind of what got me in the door into you like, man, I need to buy, you know, now that I'm a full time guide, I really need to get more grunted stuff because I need stuff that's that's gonna last, 
you know, and, and it's kind of funny that it, it was that footwear that got me into it. Not, not only the, the boots, but the sandals too. Like I got, uh, I got really high arches and I got plantar fasciitis, um, which really sucks by the way. And, um, for some reason, y'all sandals are the only sandals I can wear that don't hurt my feet. And, and they just like the boots, they last. And it was, it was, you know, like I said, I already had some bibs, but it was, you know, after the bibs and then getting the, the boots and then the sandals. And then I was like, man, I really need to invest more into this brand because they're, they're, they're making the right stuff, you know? So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny you say that when that's what I said earlier. That's what got me. That's what got me into it. So well, well it's a great gateway, right? Like it's, it's I mean, footwear is a dirt, you know, an item that that it it's not disposable. But you're, kind of, I mean, a pair of sandals, you 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 you're going to go through a pair a year, you know, maybe two if you're using them hard. Um, you know, and on that note, I mean that 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 when you're in that when you're in one of our sandals, our deck boss, or now our fish finders, um, we build, um, we intentionally build that into the um, into the footbed and not, and not for somebody with plantar fasciitis, but we build, um, what's called posting into, um, into like the inside cookie or, or the inside, you know, like, um, like this thing basically that gives you arch support, but where we yeah. put that arch support is really strategic. Um, cause the whole idea is it's designed to give you, um, better alignment on deck. And if, when your body's aligned, you're actually going to have better traction because you're, you're in, you're actually in a position that you can actually balance better. And, uh, and the whole idea is like, you take, you take somebody's body and you put it in the right position and then you can actually like unlock all that traction on that outsole. So it was really, it's, it's a very intentional design that we have in the, in all of our sandals um, to, that are, that you're feeling there. Um, it wasn't accidental. You know, I think like that, that's having the back to the whole, like surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, you know, like that's, that's pretty much me and footwear every single day in this job. Um, you know, and it, and it comes down to folks that have, you know, like designers that have pedigrees within not only, you know, not only biomechanics, but also like just how the foot works. And, you know, like that's, they, you sit down and you lay out what you think you lay out, the, you know, my job is to lay out the parameters, you know, and at the time those sandals came out, it was like, Hey, we just need something that sticks on deck really well. Um, and, and, that they do. and, and, you know, the C deck thing was interesting too. The, the, at the time, like one of the founders of the company, he'd just gotten his, his just gotten his boat done with C deck. And we hopped on that thing to run across the Puget sound. Um, and, uh, and I, and I, you know, I'd seen, I knew of C-Deck, I'd seen C-Deck, um, you know, kind of in more of the, I, I guess more of the coastal climates around boats that, you know, high end boats come with it. Right. And, and I was like, man, this, there's something here, you know, with like this, there's something here about this, like, like just standing on it, it felt good. And, you know, I kicked my, I kicked my shoes off and I was standing on it barefoot. I was like, man, this is like, and we, we made the call and partnered with those guys. And, um, it's been a huge point of differentiation for us in the market. Cause I think folks in the PNW really like the Northwest, they have no idea who C-Deck is. Um, and, but when you get into the Gulf, like Texas through, through the Gulf, all the way down to the Florida, um, folks, like it, it has become a massive point of difference for us, I think, because it, it, when you slide your foot in there, it feels good. Right. And then, yeah. um, it comes with all of like the, the antimicrobial properties that, that come with, um, with C-Deck too. So it's like the, your sandals are going to stink, right? Like if we can, if we can prolong that, like through technology, through branded material, I'm all in like, that's, that's fun. Yeah. It's funny when I, when I, you know, 
got my first pair and, you know, they lasted me like over a year. And then I bought, you know, a couple more pairs. Uh, I was, you know, I dude, I don't know, just one of those dudes. I got stinky feet <laughs> and, and I actually, and I don't care, dude, there ain't no shame in my game. I go and get a, a, a pedicure every once in a while with my wife. Cause if you haven't done it, I'm gonna tell you what, dude, it's freaking amazing. It really is. And, and every dude I've talked to that has done it like later on in their life, they're like, I wish I would have started doing it sooner. And I'm the same way. But, uh, anyways, uh, I just, I got stinky feet, man. And, uh, I was talking, I remember talking to Dennis and being like, dude, what, what can I do to, you know, prevent this? Like it's, it's bad, but it was the same with every sandal, you know? And he was like, oh, just, you know, just buy you a couple different pairs that have different pairs on deck. I was like, of course you're going to say that you're a damn rep. That's, but, that's the sales guy talking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, but you can did, wash them. They're, they're machine washable. Um, well, what, what I did, man, that I, I found out works best for me is, um, and, and I don't know, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to tell the listeners to do something they're not supposed to do, but I know guys that have had C-Deck before and, you know, their stuff starts looking terrible and they pressure wash it with low, like a low, lowest part of their pressure washer. And so what I did was I did the same thing. I hit it with the lowest, you know, lowest thing on the pressure washer. And then I let them sit in the sun for like a day after that and let them just completely dry out. And it's like they're brand new sandals again, dude. They'll another couple months before they start stinking again. So that's my little pro tip. I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but the the key to that I found is letting it like, you know, I let it sit in on, in my backyard or front yard or whatever. It has to sit in the sun for at least, you know, a whole day, if not two, and and just let it really fully dry out. And I, I think it just kind of gets all that stuff out of there after pressure washing it. And mine are good to go for another couple months before they start stinking again. Well, I, and I think the key there is low pressure because I mean you can cut steel with water. Yeah, um, oh, so, no doubt. So it, um, so you, you, you just got. It, I mean, I think from, I mean, the way we build those things is we build the, we build the straps to not retain moisture um, because like you're gonna hop in the water, hop out. Um, and our, our new fish finder, which is the new sandal that just came out this past year, um, has. Uh, has hydrophobic materials, meaning hydro, water hating materials within the straps and they, they dry quicker. Um, and, and having them dry, like for sure, drying them out is like, what's going to keep them from stinking so bad. Um, but, but I mean, the washing machine is totally fine. I, I think a lot of people don't know that they can wash their footwear. Like you wash your, you know, like, a, like you wash a shirt or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, and, and that's the key to kind of the long life and maintaining them is like getting that, like everything, all like everything that your foot attracts to it, like dirt, gunk, all that, it's just fighting to break down, you know, like man-made textiles at all times. Yeah, no doubt. Well, now that we've got a, a little bit of your background, um, let's dive into the whole point of this podcast here. And um, if you don't mind, kind of walk us through um, what made y'all want to get into the waders game and um, that, you know, line of events that that led up to that and, and how y'all planned it and the testing and and all of that because I think that's the big thing right now is um, you know everybody knows the Grundon's name but um, you know and people ask me all the time especially now that um, you know they're seeing pictures of me wearing them and, and, and things of that nature they're they're asking me about them and, and I don't know a lot you know I'm, I'm, I'm wearing them I like them so far but only had them for three months or so so um, I think it would be really cool for you to kind of give the whole spill on 
how it came about, how y'all got to where y'all at with it now. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, well, I mean, I think, you know, like a lot of what we, I mean, a lot of my role is to set the, like the long range strategy for, for where product is going to head in, you know, in, we operate on like a, you know, we operate on like a five-year roadmap, right? Like that's, which is kind of insane to think like, like to have to be thinking about, um, you know, what, what product are we going to have in the market? And, you know, like the, well, I guess, you know, not quite five years out, but 2027 is the kind of the farthest that we've discussed really internally. Um, and, uh, and, you know, have to stitch together kind of product collections and product launches that like support, kind of expansion into the market, you know, and I think like the, this, the, the whole reason I signed up for, for this move to, to Grunden's really was about, um, seeing a brand that had a ton of great DNA, um, and a ton of credibility within, within the commercial fishing space and, you know, and a desire to move into sport fish, you know, cause I think like, you know, like, I think like you're, when you're a brand, you're either growing or you're dying, you know, it's a lot like, it's a lot like a plant, you know, and like, if you, care for it and water it and, and treat it right and give it the right amount of exposure to like the sun, you know, like you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to be able to kind of grow this brand, but you have to do it the right way, you know, like too much fertilizer and it'll die too fast. Right. Like it's going to die on you. So, um, you know, and, and there's only, there's also so much appetite that our retailers have that, you know, like when they, they if they're going to earmark dollars for us, you know, and, and say, Hey, we can commit this much, this much to you for what we're going to buy from you next year. You can't overwhelm that process. And, and nobody, you know, like also, you know, also nobody wants you to outrun the outrun what you, you know, what you can actually deliver in service. So, you know, like we have to be a good supplier, a good partner to our dealers. Um, so like too much new products, tough, you know, like too much change is tough. Like, because, you know, these, these products have life cycles that have to live at a retail wall. Um, so that all that goes into like kind of the thinking and the in the mapping out of where we're headed, you know. And I think um, early on, waiters were discussed, um, kind of detail. And I guess I'm like the ultimate pessimist out there, right? Like it's just like I'm like guys, like we're not ready. Like it's just like like back in twenty early twenty eighteen, you know, we're having discussions around what's what's our what's our next move in sport fish. And waiters came up, and I'm like, let, you know, like let's get let's get some better outerwear out there in the market first. Let's like really, you know, like, I think the next move is a Gore license, you know, like, let's go approach Gore-Tex and see what they think about working with us. And, um, the Gore license was a big moment, um, for us. And we got, we got Gore, we got Gore support early on to be, you know, another Gore-Tex brand in the market. Um, but I, but I, I pitched that, that to the, to the team at Gore around, we were going to do things differently than anything that you'd ever seen before. Um, we're not just coming in to copy, something that's out there. We're not, we're not, we're not just going to reskin something that's in, you know, that that's, that's out there today. So um, we put our, you know, we put our core DNA from commercial into that sport fish line. You know, like, I think if you look at what we do, the angles of pockets, the way we run in a dedicated center flat front storm flap, you know, three layers of protection on the zipper um, building jackets that can run in the, you know, an open console as like the use case. That's probably the hardest thing to build for in fishing. Um, and, and we, we took that DNA and, um, and that's how we built the, the, the outerwear range. And I think when, when dealers started seeing us with Gore-Tex outerwear, the question started flying They're like immediately, when are you guys going to make a waiter? And, um, and I guess I was still even, you know, in eight, you know, we launched that Gore collection in late 19 with, you know, like a lot of people got their hands on it in 2020 when things were tough, right? Like, like, like we, we picked a 
we'd been in the market a year when COVID hit. And, um, you know, I think that was, that was, you know, honestly, 2020 was a great year for us. People got a chance to fish more. People got a chance to like, like travel less and fish at home more. And it was, uh, I mean, and and I think the entire industry went through, got a shot in the arm of, man, we've just, we've just had a massive year of growth. The whole world's on lockdown, but people are doing things they love like fishing and camping. Um, it was probably the best year to have a new line of product. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, and we, I mean, we were selling every unit we could get our hands on and, you know, and I think like, well, I mean, I guess like there, I mean, there was a couple dark days there, you know, when we were like, I guess, you know, with COVID, um, we, uh, I mean, there was a, there was a point where, uh, you know, like the, 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 our CEO is like, Hey, I need you to model out like a pretty grim scenario of what happens if like the business doesn't come back. And I, you know, like I put together a revenue plan that I realized quickly that I didn't have a job if that was the case. And, you know, we got through, we got through essentially March and April. And then by May, man, it was like balls of the wall. Everybody was living large, man. And, you know, and, and, I'm, I'm, you know, it was a tough time. A lot of, you know, a lot of, it was rough on a lot of people. I think, you know, like the, the, but the people that got to, to the people that got to recreate really recreated hard. And, uh, um, you know, like as a family, I think my wife and kids and I, we, we camped like 40 days that year fishing, you know, and it was, I, 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 I enjoyed the time with my kids. Honestly, I wasn't having to travel to an office or, you know, really like we, we just fished a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, but through that, I mean, I think that was the point where we realized like the market was ready. Um, and, uh, and like, I, you know, I sat down with our ownership group and I would have been June of 2021 is kind of when we were, yeah, I'm trying to get my dates right here. Yeah. June of 2021, you know, like kind of like we're, we're on the back end of COVID. Um, the world's starting to travel again and, uh, there's just this massive demand for, for, for any gear out there you can fish with. So it was, it was like, well, the the market's right. Let's go. Um, so we kicked off a really aggressive calendar around, okay, like what does it look like? How, how can we build some waders and test waders now? Um, and then when, when do we want to, when do we want to try to come to market with this? So, um, so essentially from June of 21, um, I got, I got pulled off of a lot of other, like other key projects. We handed things over to other people on the team. And my sole focus along with, uh, you know, with, with Kristen on the team was to, to get, to get these waiters designed, developed, tested and, you know, and ready to go. So we, um, we cranked on it and, you know, that was, it was, it was nice having a singular focus for, you know, for a solid six or eight months of, I woke up in the morning and I knew exactly what I was going to do that day. Um, and, uh, and we got through, you know, like we went out and we hired, uh, we hired, you know, and I'm a big, I, you know, I fish to the shoots a lot. Like I, I, steelhead fish down there. I float that river. And, uh, there's a great book called the railroad wars, um, out there. And it was, you know, it basically highlights the story of, um, of when the railroad wanted to go up the Deschutes river, they, um, they, they hired two competing firms, one, one to build a railway on the right bank and one to build it on the left bank. And, um, the winner that got, you know, that basically got to, um, they got to town first was going to get the, get paid. And, uh, the people that didn't get there were, didn't, didn't have a job and they didn't, they were going to get paid for their effort. Um, and you can't really do that in today's age, you know, with design firms, you gotta, you know, you kind of pay up front. Um, but we did, we went out and we hired two design firms and, uh, with the idea of, of we, we didn't want to lock into a singular direction out of the gate. We, we had a lot of ideas for how to improve existing, the, the existing waiters in the market. And we knew 
we knew we had to come to market with something that was different and better than anything that existed today or at the time, you know, and, um, and that was, you know, that was a rad project to work on because you, you go and you brief, a brief is a, you know, essentially a document that outlines what the, how the product has to perform, how it needs to be different, exactly who we're building it for down to like a granular level with like profiles of consumers, um, how much it has to cost and where we're going to sell it. You know, and so like it's a lot of it's a lot of guiding documents that keeps everybody honest in the process. Um, so we um, we 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 engaged two design firms um, and didn't tell them that they were working on the project. Like, didn't tell the other one that the other one was working on the project. I was like, I don't want to cloud anybody's thinking. I want this to happen completely organically. And we know enough about taking designs and commercializing them that we can pull the best ideas out of um, out of both both firms. You know, and then. Um, and ultimately we came up with our patterning system from, you know, from one crowd, uh, that, that was really good at mobility, really good at, um, apparel patterning and outerwear. Um, and we came up with another, um, uh, another that, so the suspension system came out of uh, another firm and I'm sitting here thinking out loud, how much, what can I say? Cause there's a lot of, we're still under a lot of confidentiality agreements with who did what. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kind of shut up at that, but yeah, the two, but, but we, but the, what you're looking at that, the waiter, the waiter collection, you know, the Gore-Tex waiter collection was a, um, was a combination of, of two design firms working independently, thinking separately. And then we were able to marry those up kind of as we went into, you know, like second round of prototype. And, uh, and we, we really, you know, embraced this design by proto, like, like, you know, like a, a lot of a lot of apparel designers out there in the industry, outerwear designers, they're really good at drawing pictures, and they they get like they're they they I mean they transact on pictures, right? Like if they can come in and show you like this beautiful picture, you'll get on board, and you'll like you you know they have this portfolio that's like fifty pages deep, and they lay it out, and you're like you know like it looks like design school to me, and um, I'm not a designer, you know I'm I I guess I'm the business leader, and I guess just it's my job to kind of run run strategy and air traffic controlling, make all the parts come together. But these guys that we're working with were all designed by proto guys. You know, it's just like, they didn't want to draw. They just wanted to build. Um, and, and that got us, I think that got us into the market faster, at least got us to the point that we could fail in a proto and learn something along the way. And, uh, and then ultimately drop in with, you know, with, with real time changes, like in the water, you know, and like we, um, we built, you know, we, we, we were, we had protos in the river, by October of that year, which is unheard of. Um, you know, none of this was ready to be truly fished in, but it was, it was a good, it, it was, a, it was, I felt like we were, we were headed down the right route, the road by then, you know, a lot of the stress was off of like, of the table. We were spending money, like real money to build these protos and engage these design firms, but we were getting progress. And that's like what you want to see in an R and D process is like every iteration is something, a next step forward and you don't go backwards, um, by accident. Um, and we got, you know, I would say got into the point where, you know, like we were ready to like find a factory and drop in on like, like sending these protos over to the factory to actually make a, make a real waiter, something that had like feet on it and something that, that really, um, could be submerged, you know, and that was, um, that, that was, you know, later that year. And then, you know, and then immediately, you know, like we went into, um, we just went into testing and, and we threw a lot of waiters at testing. And I think that was the key of bringing on a testing team, you know, I think at one point there was 25 people that had, you know, 25 different individuals that had some, some form of a proto or the other. And, you know, like we have a, a Nola in our office is really good. She's, you know, she's, she leads up our field testing team. 
and uh and she runs point on uh, essentially making sure that you're checking in she like will harass you via text to make sure you're getting your 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 um feedback back to us um and and we were shipping in protos like protos from the field we come back in we do a full tear down in the office we'd flip them inside out fill them with water like um and just make sure like we have an official setup now but at that time we were we were essentially flipping the picnic table over and using cinder blocks to like to like prop it up so we could fill waiters and then you know they ultimately invested in a in a test picture um because of that but but yeah i mean those, those were the dirty days of waiter making man and it was fun um to, so to, i'm gonna i'm gonna have to ask this because it's a question that's been asked to me a, a million times i i know our listeners are gonna want to know um the, the one thing i got asked the most because by now, a lot of people that know me, they, they know I, I wear a lot of gum and stuff. And before I even had the waders, they were asking me about them. And I was like, guys, I really, I don't know much about them. You know, I, I didn't, I knew they were coming out, but that's, that's all I knew about them at that time. And um, when they came out, everybody was kind of, kind of everybody's feelings were, you know, hey, you know, we, we know Grunin's makes top notch stuff and, and stuff that's going to last, but you know, who, who really tested them? Like did saltwater guys test them or did they just put them on a bunch of fly fishermen? That, that was, that's just the real world feedback that I got a lot. And then I told Dennis that I said, man, you know, that's what I'm getting asked the most by, by like, you know, my circle is that because if it was somebody, you know, hardcore in the trout weight fishing scene, I feel like we would have known, you know, like it would have leaked out. <laughs> so, um, that, that was a question that got asked a lot, man. It, was it, was it mainly, you know, and it's not a big deal. And, and I'm just curious. And I think everybody else is too, but was there a lot of saltwater like wade fishing guides testing these or, or saltwater guys testing these as well? Yeah. So I'll back up on that one. Um, the, so that doesn't it like we intentionally put these guys under non-disclosure agreements because we don't want it leaking out. Right. So, okay. Uh, no, like the whole idea is that like, you got to pick the right guides because, um, I, I mean, I intentionally look at guide social media, um, presence and folks that are folks that are, uh, that are posting a lot probably aren't going to be a good tester. Um, so we, we intentionally lock down kind of what's going on because it is, you know, like there's the, the waiter, the waiter market is, um, it, it's, it's highly competitive, pretty cutthroat. Um, there aren't that many brands that make great waiters out there. And the folks that do are, um, are, are all about protecting their market share and uh, rightfully so I, I, you know, I respect that about this market and why it's, why it's different. Um, I, I, you know, I guess to answer the question directly, no, we were not testing in saltwater, like basically saltwater waiting we 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 have ultimately tested there since the waiters came out there like i would i would say phase two of testing was all used you know down in um we had a couple guys in rockport that were that were testing down there but that early protos you know like you you, you start out with a handful and you've got to be able to turn things really quickly and it also comes really seasonally um we tested beyond fly for sure like like a lot of our guys are conventional only um they, um, you know, and, and then trying to test with guides that did not have really drift boat guide operations. Cause I, I feel like the first way that the easiest way to fail in waders is to like put all your waders on guys that like float the Missouri river in Montana and think that you're solving, you're figuring out something or you're learning something because you're not, um, no, no, no yeah. disrespect to that crowd. They do wait, but like, 
it's it comes down to like failing fast. Um, so a couple of uh, honestly, a couple of folks that test are um, um, there. We, we put we had a couple of kayak um, kayak fishing guides in in these programs because I because the time I could get them testing. Um, we tested a lot through um, we, through basically the P and W, you know, around like basically coastal Washington, coastal Oregon. Um, but we had like once Montana came online from icing out, we had we had we had two or three guides out there that walk and wait a lot. Um, and then ultimately, once we got a once we got a testable sample, which was like kind of later in this process, you know, there was a lot of validation happening um, in uh, in basically golf salt fishing and essentially like guys throwing popping corks. Um, we, uh, we did, I mean, I guess our, our, you know, we're, we're based right on the saltwater, right? Like our, um, you know, our office is three minutes from the Puget Sound. Um, so a lot of, a lot of testing goes into, goes into that fishery because it's right there. And, um, guys from work can go test in an afternoon, right up, like right out on a beach, you know, like, so they're, they're testing around oyster shells. They're testing around rocks, gravel, just, just general stuff. That's going to be really rough on a pair of waders. Um, and, and that's the sea run cutthroat fishery out there that, you know, like we, like we have one, we have one guy that's actually retired and he tests for us like essentially six days a week. Um, so he's, he, he's kind of our, we treat him as like, he's, he's retired, super good guy for feedback. Um, he runs longer term tests for us around, you know, like he's testing a jacket right now that um, that's coming out in, in 2025. He's had, you know, he's, he's on a second iteration of that from, where we, 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 we'll put a, we'll put a jacket on them and we'll run them, you know, run them like nine months in that jacket and we'll bring it back in and, and then we'll do it. We'll do a full teardown with like water testing. And, and, and a lot of, we actually cut one of the jackets up that he was in and he was not stoked about it, that he had to give his jacket up and have us cut a sleeve off and send it back to the factory for a, um, for a change that we're going to make. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's it. You know, I think that those, like that level of really trying to find a diverse set of fisheries to, to test in, is really important. And, and I, and I know everybody, you know, like I have a hundred percent confidence that like that saltwater is not going to impact any, um, any of our waiters. We build, we build everything to be saltwater safe out of the gate by design, you know, from, a, yeah, from a, I don't, I don't think it's so much the, the saltwater. Uh, I think it was guys are just curious about, you know, it's just a different, you know, us, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're getting in and out of the boat a lot and doing a ton of walking and, you know, it's just, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier of, of testing it for, you know, that intended purpose, which the waiters aren't intended just for us, you know, mm-hmm. but that was the, that was the main question that I'd got, you know, is like who, you know, and, and you know, it's one of those things, you know, the, the, the saltwater, wade fishing guys, you know, look differently at the fly fishing guys and the fly fishing guys look differently at us. So they were just kind of like, well, they just put these on a bunch of fly fishermen, you know, that, that, that's just, you know, that was just the honest feedback that I was getting. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's a legitimate question. You know, I think, um, we, we do have, um, we, we I, I guess we nicknamed it hell track, um, coming from like the you know BMX days of like rad in the eighties. Um, but, uh, waiter hell track is like, it's, it, you know, it sits, uh, it's in the Puget sound and it's this walking track that we were trying to replicate. So we wanted to, we wanted to create a place that like a tester could walk in waiters consistently and be in the same environment over the same like distance and really trying to take, take the difference of, 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 area or zone off the table. So we could like, we, and this was really about testing seams, um, and testing, 
um, perception of mobility and things like that, that we really like, like wanted to be able to run them through the same time. And it's a, it's a beach like just South of our office that like you can get to in about 15 minutes and you get out there and you put a tester in that and you just, you know, like you can walk these things into, you know, in, into oblivion, you know, if you, if, if you have enough time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do like testing is important and, and, and not, not just waiter testing for us every, you know, I, I think, you know, part of, part of the process at Grundens is, um, is testing is, you know, testing is very core to the, to the product creation cycle. And, you know, like, and without, without testing, you know, without significant testing. And when I say significant, you know, like we, we try to push for a statistically significant test, like one waiter fished for 10 days doesn't get you there. You know, like the thousands yeah. of hours that have to come to be, yeah. you know, to be a statistically significant test, it, it's, it, it's real. And you've got to have, you've got to be balancing that out with like, you know, like, like the, back to that whole fail fast to succeed sooner. Um, you got to fail fast because like, you know, if, if you, you you're, you're going to extrapolate this out over the life of the waiter. And if you see something now, you can, you can pretty much assume that that's going to become a problem and you've got to go back and make an iteration and then go re like, and then you, you set your clock back to one and go, you know, and then that's, that's kind of the, the, I guess it's the hard, the hard part of, of product development. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, <clears throat> again, it just goes back to what I was saying earlier is, you know, you got guides and commercial fishermen that are going to treat gear, you know, when, when we're rocking and rolling, man, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest about it. Like I'm, I'm good at keeping up with my stuff, but you know, <clears throat> there's some days, you know, I'm waiting sun up to sun down and I've got a lot to do when I get in from a trip and, and some days rinsing them waiters off ain't on that list. <laughs> like it is, but it gets forgotten, you know? So there, there's days that, you know, I might go a day, two days, three days without, without rinsing my waiters off just because I've got so much going on, you know, especially spring and summertime when the days are longer, you know, I'm fishing sun up to sundown and, um, early summer, obviously, but I'm, I'm fishing sun up to sundown and, and I get in, man. And sometimes just, you know, putting them waders back in the waiter bag and, and chunking them in the boat because I'm, I'm running, you know, I'm on my 13th, 14th day in a row and I don't want to forget something. I, I'll leave it on the boat. So when I get there in the morning, I, I put them on in the morning, you know, and I might, I might put them on and grab the hose and rinse them off the next morning or something like that. Or, or when I'm washing the boat, I might kind of rinse them off a little bit, but I'm definitely not leaving, leaving them up to dry. You know, it's, it's that kind of real world testing that I think really, really matters because that that's the ultimate test. Just somebody's just going to abuse the hell out of them. But um, I did kind of want to give you my thoughts and stuff on it. We, we haven't talked that much since I've had them, but um <clears throat> You know, I hate to compare brands and, 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 you know, talk about other brands, but I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, most hardcore guys are wearing Sims. I mean, we're just going to have to say that because it's true. And um, I have a pair of Sims Guide Classic uh, G3s and G4Zs. And <clears throat> there was, there was a, there was something about the, you know, I, I liked all three of those and, and they all kind of had their own purpose. And the G3s are, are very, um, they're, they're a little bit lighter on the Gore-Tex. And then obviously the guide classics are, are super light. So they were good for, you know, when it gets a little warner or, or whatever. And it was really just a, a extra pair for clients. 
and uh, the G3s I liked, and um, I did notice when I got the G4Zs, um, obviously they were a lot thicker of Gore-Tex, so, um, and, and this is just, this is just only something you're really going to notice if, if you're wearing waders a lot and you're wade fishing a lot. But I did notice a difference between uh, kind of the the maneuverability, I guess, of the G4Zs versus the G3s just because they are a little thicker, man. And you can kind of feel it, you know. And when I got the Grundens and I was looking at them, I, I, I liked that um, – I don't know where it's at on the waders. You'll have to correct me on this, but probably about like hip height, maybe um, in the hips, it, it goes from a thicker material to a lighter material a little bit. Is that correct? Like, is there a little less Gore-Tex as it goes up? Well, it's a, it's a different Gore-Tex. So we, okay. um, we build, we, we build the, you know, we, we, we map in two different Gore materials um, in, in our waders. So the upper, the upper, body part like if you look at the if you look at the boundary waiter the, the lighter tan um that's a three-layer gore-tex um in the lower leg area basically all the way up to the waiting belt um we we run a uh, we run a four-layer gore-tex so the difference it's an extra layer you know like uh, gore puts a puts some uh, an additional layer in there for reinforcement and we select that for kind of higher wear zones of the waiter so it, it's it's essentially more puncture resistant um, like no waiters puncture proof, but, um, the, 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 this gives you a little more of an insurance policy against, you know, like against, against puncture and preventing leaks in the lower body of the waiter. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of noticed that a little bit in those and I really liked the, um, I really like the pockets, uh, on, on, on the, on the Grundens. Uh, I have the zip waiters by the way. And, um, I, I mean, I, I can't, now that I've had zip waders, I, I could never go back. It's you can never so go awesome. back. It's like once, like once, yeah, it's easy, easy to get in out. It's easy to take a leak. It, um, oh, it, it's the, it's the taking a piss part. That's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, you walk over to some knee deep water and you can piss. It's, it's amazing. But I, I had uh, an entire campaign, uh, I teed up around, um, uh, the one leak in your waiter that you'll love, but the mar- marketing team shot it down. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, that would have been great dude. yeah, yeah oh, it was too oh. crass and i was like just get you know you like you got the back of this guy like like waiters <laughs> flopped open and you see a stream coming out and yeah it it, it didn't it, it didn't make the cut right like but maybe like, maybe maybe 10 15 years ago it would have been but na- nowadays you, we can't get away with stuff like that yeah yeah it, it was not seen as uh like uh family friendly i guess yeah but uh i, I like those and i'm I've had, I want to say I've had mine for about three months now, somewhere in there. So like I said, I haven't put a ton of time in them, but I I have ran, I have run a lot of trips in them. And, um, I was just recently in, uh, in Port Mansfield fishing with Jay Watkins and, uh, I wore them the whole time there. We fished, uh, I think it was eight or nine days straight and I was, um, it's always been kind of annoying to me, especially being a guide, um, you know, it's when I got clients, it's all about them, man. And, and, and I, I obviously fish and help them find the fish. But once we do find the fish, you know, I'm on my phone recording for them, recording video, taking pictures, all that stuff. And it's always been kind of annoying, even with the zip waders. You got to, you know, because, I mean, rightfully so, those the zippers, it's kind of hard to do one-handed, you know, like to unzip it. And you got the pocket right there to have your phone in. 
And I kind of started to notice um, when we were in Texas, I was like, man, these, these outside pockets, like where the hand warmers are, you know, I was like, that almost looks like a, a waterproof zipper. <laughs> and, and I was telling Dennis about this the other day. And I said, I had a, um, I always bring a, a, a lens, like, you know, the little lens wipes that come with your, your sunglasses, like the microfibers, you know, mm-hmm. I always bring one of those. Cause that's a huge pet peeve of mine is when I get water on my sunglasses. It drives me insane. And I had it in that pocket and we were one day we were actually fishing some, some deeper water and, and I got deep enough to where I could, you know, kneel down a little bit. And I was like, I'm going to put this little rag in this front pocket and zip it up and just completely submerse it, you know? And, and I did. And I, and I went down and, and almost to where the water was like half an inch from coming in the top of my waiter. So it was completely underwater and it, it wasn't a long time, you know, a couple seconds, whatever. And then I, I came back up and unzipped that pocket and that rag was dry. And I was very surprised at that. And so um, I kept my phone in that pocket for the remainder of the trip. <laughs> it is so much more convenient. I, I freaking love it, dude. I have easy access to my phone when I need it for clients or whatever, trying to get slow motion. But, but is it, are those zippers meant to be waterproof on the front? Uh, they're meant to be water. So it's 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 advertised as water resistant because it's a coating yeah. on there. It doesn't hold up pressure like the center zipper does. Like the zip, this, that, that YKK zipper in the front of the, like the main zipper in your waiter. Um, that was, that was designed and built for, um, th- the reason it got built was overwater flight suits for the military. Um, and then the, and then it got cascaded out to the outdoor industry for, you know, for, for, you know, like for dry tops, for kayaking or rafting. And then ultimately like fishing, fishing manufacturers started putting those in there you know, over a decade ago and it's been a game changer. Um, well, I, I don't know if y'all had any feedback on that yet or not, but you do, I would be careful though. Cause like that, there is a drain hole in that pocket. So it's like, you're, you're managing like an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other with a waiter, right? Like you're like, it's like, you've got to, we add those water resistant zippers just to help. Like if you, if you have to wade deep real quick, hop in, hop out um, of the water, or you just kind of bounce off of a deep hole and you're like, Oh, I can, I can save myself with this thing. Um, there is a drain hole. So if you, if you forget and you wade deep, we build, um, we plumb that, that pocket out the bottom and in the right scenario facing, you know, like moving water, you can get water will come into the pocket. So, um, it, 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 it's a little weird on how it works, but, but like, you have to kind of prepare for both scenarios of like a river angler. That's going to, that's going to wade deep and somebody that's going to blast water into the drain, the drains there, but it's, it's really hard for the water to come back in, but it will, it will happen. Um, yeah. Well, I keep my phone in the uh, inside I, pocket, like of the, there's a zipper pocket on the inside. That's, that's, that's good for, a, that's good for. A yeah. I don't, I don't, man, I don't wade deep a lot. Uh, a lot of us don't, you know, that are, that are, a lot of us trout guys aren't, aren't, aren't really, you know, some of us will, but usually if I got waders on, there's a good chance I'm, I'm not wading, you know, chest deep because I'm not trying to get water in my waders. <laughs> so I'm not, uh, I, I'll wade deep during the, the summer, but I won't have waders on. So nice. but that, that is, that is good to know. But yeah, I just, like I said, I had that little rag in there, just wanted to test it. And me just, you know, dipping down into that water, holding it for, you know, maybe 30 seconds and coming back up. Uh, it, I guess there wasn't enough water movement to get it in that drain hole. 
but I kept my phone in there the whole time and it was fine. But I will say this, dude, the new iPhones are, are pretty sick. I got a, I mean, mine's not the newest. I got a 14, but I dropped mine in the mud a while back. Like literally didn't even know I dropped it and we were fishing and don't even know how long it was underwater, to be honest with you. And my client caught a fish and I went to look for my phone to take a picture and it was, it was gone. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and we looked around and none of my clients had my phone. And I, uh, I, I get super, super lucky sometimes. I probably shouldn't be saying that right now. Cause I'm kind of on a string of bad luck, but <laughs> I, I do get pretty lucky. And I told my client, I said, look, I'm not going to move. I said, you come over here, give me your phone. I'll take a picture with it. I said, but I got to find my phone. I haven't moved in 10 minutes. So it's, it's around here somewhere. And I started shuffling around and I actually found the phone. I could feel it with my foot and I was able to get it in between my two wade boots. And thank God one of my clients had a net because I I don't ever bring a net. And I, I was able to scoop the phone up and I pulled it up. And the phone was still on. It, it was, and it's still working. Right, still now recording. Yeah, this this was months ago, and it's still working fine. So, I uh, I couldn't believe that. I I was pretty blown away. And when I pulled it up, my client, man, he's so funny. He's he's been with me a couple of times, and I pulled it up and I found it, and I'm like, you know, smiling ear to ear, and I'm I'm like, yes, I'm like, hell yeah. He's like, boy, you must be living right. He was like, that kind of stuff don't happen to people that don't live right. <laughs> I said, I guess so, man. I said, I didn't think I was going to find it, but, uh, but we ended up finding it. But I thought that was, uh, that was pretty funny, but, um, and, and iPhone's a pretty spectacular product. Like from, from a product guy's perspective, the, it, we, we live in a pretty crazy age, right? Where like, like you got access to the entire internet in your pocket. You've got a camera, you have ability to send pictures to someone. The whole thing's waterproof. Um, and it only costs a thousand dollars. Like that, I mean, it, it's like how do you, like how do you do that? Like as as you know, I know I know it's years of. I mean, I know it's scale, right? Like everybody owns one. There's a billion of these things in the world, but um, it is it is a pretty impressive thing of like being able to like have GPS and like I've got you know I use. I mean, from a fishing tool, like there's nothing more powerful than than having an iPhone. You know, you can take pictures. Um, I use Onyx Maps a lot to you know to track basically fishing spots when I'm, I'm spend time on the internet, like goofing off, looking for like another spot, I'll drop a pin and then like be able to get back to that. And it's pretty rad, right? Like that's, that, that's, it's, it's pretty nuts, man. The, the, the things you can do with them. A lot of people don't know you can, you can download the Navionics app and you can pay like, I don't know, it's like 40 or 50 bucks a year for the upgraded Navionics on your phone. And I can guarantee you that, that like platinum or whatever you pay for on your phone, it, it it's going to be better than your, your, your GPS, your, your two, $3,000 GPS. I mean, they have relief shading on it. They have satellite imagery. It's insane. It, it's better than the, the one you get on a three, $4,000 unit. It, it's crazy. And it's on your damn phone. And, like and that's my, my I'm sitting here. I've got both on my, I my GPS is on my desk and my phone's on my desk. And I, I can't remember the last time. I turned my GPS on. Like, I mean, it, I, it was this summer on a river trip where I like needed it. Like we need, like, it was like hardcore, this thing, you know, like we, we, we need, we, we can't miss the campsite. So I'm using this GPS to like count me down to when I need to back out of this, like this, this eddy to, to get into the spot that we, we knew we had to camp that night or else we were going to be sleeping on like gravel bar. Um, 
but but yeah, I mean, it, it's it is pretty pretty. We, we live at a rad time in fishing, I think, just with a lot of great products out there from you know every you know the folks are building stuff for fishing. That's that's really good stuff. Yeah, and uh, another thing I wanted to touch on was y'all's wade boots. Um, so far, I, I don't have any issues with them. Um, the only thing I'm worried about, which this is, this happened to, you know, a lot of previous Sims boots. I, I've gone through, I've gone through a ton of Sims boots, dude. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't, I don't, I really don't like to brand bash. I'm just being honest. Even the, even the saltwater ones, I went through two pairs where the, uh, the bottom, like the Vibrium sole just, mm-hmm. just comes off. The glue just doesn't hold. And on the, uh, my, my favorite boots used to be the flyweights, but um, I don't know what, what you would call it, but the little keeper, like that holds your, your shoelace on mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Those just corrode in the first maybe five months they're done. So, um, I think that's where a lot of people, why they were asking so much on the, um, saltwater side of things. Cause maybe they experienced that too. Uh, and like I said, so far I've only worn these boots for like three months. So, I haven't really put them through their paces, but I don't have any issues yet. But I'm I'm wondering if y'all looked at that when y'all went through the design of it to to put parts on it that were you know saltwater corrosion resistance because that's kind of the issue with uh, a lot of the other products out there boot wise. Absolutely, it was you know it was it was briefed in as a have to have you know like back to that product brief. But I th- you know so two things you, you, you there was two things in that that comment I'm gonna, i'll address real quick the uh, the adhesive the outsole adhesive so um you know like when you build a boot to be submerged in the in you know like in and this comes from our dna of building deck boots right like like when you when you 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 have to use a very different adhesive to put that shoe together that um you know that that doesn't come from like the hiking boot industry or the trekking shoe business or running shoes like all of those are built very different from how a weighted boot needs to be built. Um, we, we use a UV activated glue. So ultraviolet light to, to like flash the glue to make it stick. And then that like basically gets, um, that then gets, gets essentially, you know, like set like for, to not use a water-based glue. So if you make, if you use a water-based glue, water can break that glue down over time. It's just, that's just how chemistry works. So our, um, a, a very special adhesive in our, in our boots to attach like basically outsoles to, to uppers and we run that across the line in a bunch of different projects. Um, and it, and it just comes down to like good water oriented shoemaking. Um, and then on, on the corrosion side of things, we, um, we, um, it, so your two choices out there are metal hardware or plastic hardware and both have, both have kind of a, a their own devil, right? Like, so plastic hardware can break, but it won't corrode. Um, and it, um, but if you bash that on a rock or you, you know, like over time, you're probably going to break an eyelet and it's just going to happen. Um, we, we went like we intentionally picked out corrosion resistant metal. Um, and what that is, is a brass hardware that has a black oxide coating on it. So two things that kind of like when they come together, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to corrode as, you know, as, like as a standard metal piece of hardware on a boot would. Um, and we test that, um, we test it through this, the standardized thousand hour salt spray test, which is, essentially like if you um if you subject this part to to uh to to salt water for a thousand hours will it corrode and you know and it has to be you know it has to be a full and and it's accelerated aging so you do it in a 
you do it in a higher salinity environment, you do it in a heat chamber. Um, so it's, it's basically essentially can replicate a thousand hours in the salt in a matter of like 24 to hours in the test. So it's, you, you can actually get it back and not, you know, not have to wait a thousand hours every time you want to test a, um, an iteration of a, of a part. Um, but, but you would like, if you scratch that black oxide coating, you'll notice it's brass underneath. So it will, um, it will gain patina over time, but it's not going to turn into, um, a corroded saltwater mess. And then we use, we use brass rivets throughout the, um, throughout the attachment process. So it doesn't like these things don't, and stainless steel, stainless steel washers for reinforcement on the backside. Um, I think you'll also notice if you look inside of our boot, um, we, we, um, we bury all of the, um, the, um, the attachment hardware. So inside the boot, there's no exposed, um, there's no exposed hardware from the attachment of the, of the eyelets. So it doesn't chafe or scratch or destroy your stocking foot and wear a hole, you know, like a lot of boots will wear a hole in a stocking foot that that becomes like kind of first point of failure. So we've, we've tried to solve for that in advance for, you know, for folks that commit to the, to the boot. Yeah, I definitely noticed that when I, when I opened up the the package for the first time and saw the boots, I was like, man, these look pretty rugged. I, I really, really hope they hold up because they, they just, they look and feel more rugged. And, and now that, you know, I, I, I put, like I said, dude, three months is nothing to me. Uh, I, I don't, as a guide, and this is kind of a rule of thumb with, with especially, you know, busy guides or wade fishing guides. If something lasts me a year, I'm super happy. If something lasts me a year, it'll, it'll last a weekend warrior, probably their lifetime, you know? And, um, I've, I've only had it for a couple months, but they still, they don't look like the salt water's got to them. You know, I mean, you, you can kind of tell when you, when you put something in salt water a lot and, and it will, the material will change a little bit. Um, but these look, they look pretty solid, man. I, I'm going to be excited to see how they hold up. We're excited to introduce a new Texas based sponsor, hook and bullet purpose built optics. Recognizing all our gear is purpose-built and high-tech, the guys at Hook & Bullet got tired of wearing fashion-driven quote-unquote fishing sunglasses with antiquated lens technology. And because chasing monster trout along grass ledges and potholes is different than pitching a bait to billfish, they've partnered with Zeiss to scientifically formulate lenses to optimize your specific pursuit. Let's face it, we spend a lot of time and money looking for that big bite so do yourself a favor and check out hookandbullet.life, that's dot life, backed by a 30-day fishing guarantee. You're sure to find a pair of purpose-built optics to help you maximize every opportunity. Down South Lures has been making lures for the inshore angler for years now, and it's easy to see why. From their four-inch Southern Shed to their much larger DSL Supermodel, to the three inch burner shed, their versatility is really in every angler's arsenal. Better yet, they're actually made here in the USA as well. So support this Texas brand that supports you, the fisherman. And next time, go check out the hashtag swims in a fall action of a down south floor. Real Sportswear humbly started making shirts for a few local fishermen. Rooted in simplicity and utility, Reel's minimalist approach is a reflection of what binds the fishing industry together. Now found throughout many coastal retailers, their lineup of comfortable and functional gear aims to make your time in the water a success. So next time you're gearing up, wear what guides wear and consider Reel Sportswear. Despite its unique name, Stinky Pants Fishing has been making wade fishing gear 
for the Texas Angler for years. Located here in Texas, they make anything from boga floats to boxes, stringers to wade fishing straps, really anything that the inshore angler needs to make their time on the water more efficient and more effective. So check them out at stinkypantsfishing.com and get some equipment to make you a better wade fisherman. I wanna welcome Waterloo Rods as our season three's newest sponsor. Located in Victoria, Texas, Waterloo builds some of the most functional rods for any inshore application. Whether you're in the market for a carbon mag, an HP light, or a slam mag, or their salinity series, definitely check them out. Also, check out their Waterloo Pro Shop, which carries most, if not everything, that the inshore angler needs here along the Texas coast. So next time you're in the market for a rod, definitely check out Waterloo Rods, and you might as well fish the best. Mira Lore is an iconic brand found in almost every inshore angler's arsenal. From their 17 or 27 MRs, to the mirror mullet or the top dog, even their soft plastic lineup, as well as the Paul Brown series fat boys. These lures have been trusted by many anglers across the Gulf Coast and beyond. So next time you're out there looking to fire up a bite, remember, tie on a mirror lure and turn on the bite. Texas Custom Lures and the original Custom Corky are back again for season three sponsors and we couldn't be more appreciative. These lures and colors, which are produced by some of the most renowned anglers up and down the Texas coast have been producing for decades. So whether it's a Double D or a Fat Boy Floater, a Plum Nasty, Texas Turnip, just to name a few, remember next time you're looking for that next big bite, the big girls aren't colorblind. Have you seen that product, uh, Salt's Gone? Have you seen that before? Is it is it the um, is it the stuff that you use to wash out an outboard outboard motor? It's like a that's salt away. Oh, okay, so yeah, there you go. That's a little different. So the Salt's Gone, and uh, I'm not affiliated with them in any way. Mm-hmm. I'm just a really big fan of their product. Uh, I, I mainly got it. For, um, you know, when I come in from a chandelier trip, you know, sun up to sundown and the boat's not that dirty because we obviously didn't fish out of the boat. So um, I wanted something I could just spray the whole boat down and rinse it off. And and dude, that is exactly what it's good for. And this stuff is it it is seriously, it is an amazing product like they should be paying me right now, to be honest with you. I I can't tell you how many. how many bottles I've probably sold for them, but, um, it It might, it might be really interesting for, for like, for waiters and waiting boots. It might, that's what I'm very interested in, man, because I've been using it on my, so my boat, my whole boat is fully ceramic coated inside and out. Like Cerakoted uh, boat? Ceramic coated. Oh, okay. I I, I thought you said Cerakoted. I was like, man, that, that, that had to be a pretty penny. Now, the ceramic coating was, I can promise you that <laughs> it was, it was not cheap at all, but, um, whenever I get in, man, now I've gotten to the point to where even if I run, you know, a trip where we are fishing out of the boat, if the boat's not super dirty, man, I, I, I soak the boat in this stuff. It has a hose attachment, like a, uh, like your, like, like a garden, like, like, like the stuff you spray in your yard, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you, you, you attach it to your, your hose and it's got the little bottle and it does the mixture for you and sprays it out. And I, um, that's gotta be good for your truck too. Just like, you know, if you're just backing down the boat ramp and like under, you know, I know a lot of guides like that we work with in the Northwest, like they're launching their boat and sound, you know, it's like, like they, they get body rust happening right away. And like everything just kind of just gets shot over 
like over the life of the truck. Like that, that's pretty rad stuff. I oh, dude, this, this stuff I wrote it been, down here. I'm gonna check it out. This, this stuff has been exploding for sure. Like I've, I've watched them kind of like just not only them, like just people I know and people I follow on social media and stuff like that, that are, that are picking up on it. And, and I see it, you know, I'm a car guy. A lot of people don't know that I've always loved cars and working on cars and, you know, my, my Instagram feed is not just fishing stuff. It, it's, it's fishing stuff and car stuff and some funny stuff. And, and, and I saw it kind of bleed over to those truck guys and, and stuff like that. But, um, the, the cool, the cool part about this is like the salt away stuff. Like that was really designed for, like you said, like flushing your motor. So it leaves like this really, this residue and it, and it, 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 it messes up oils and like dries up your oil or your seals and stuff like that. So it wasn't good for like spraying the outside of your motor or, or like, you know, the, uh, the steering, like the, the seals for your steering and stuff like that. It would, it would dry that stuff up. And so the salt gone doesn't do that. It, it, it somehow it, um, it gets rid of the salt, but then it leaves a really like just, minute little protection barrier, but it doesn't do like that stuff did. And what I noticed with it is like, I would spray it on the boat and let it sit for a little bit, you know, while I was unloading the boat or whatever, just a couple minutes and come back. And if there was a hard spot, like blood stain or something like that, I'd hit that with a brush, but anything else, man, just, just rinse it off. And it, it, it helped like with the whole, like the hard water at marinas, you know, marinas are notorious for having super hard water, and this stuff, dude, it was almost like a spot zero, like for real. Like I could let it dry on there and, and it wouldn't have water spots all over the boat. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was blown away. But I, I started using it for, you know, my, my wade bag. So like my, my weight, my tackle sling. So like I get done fishing and when I had that salt going out to spray the whole boat, you know, I'd have my my boots and my uh my tackle sling open and, and sprayed on all my tackle, my rods, my reels, all that stuff, and just let it, you know, get that salt off of it. And um, I've been really curious about that, if that was going to be good for what I haven't used it on any of my Gore-Tex stuff because I don't know if it's good for it or not. So, uh, yeah, man, if y'all could uh, look into that and see, that'd be great. Uh, I'll be <laughs> yeah. So, so it, I think with Gore-Tex, um, you know, it's really, you know, like the, like the, we, you know, like, like there's a couple of different detergents out there. Um, it's really important that you wash your Gore-Tex garments. Um, you know, like, like, like salt can build up on the inside of a jacket, build up on the inside of a waiter. Um, and when that happens, um, it's a, it, Gore-Tex is a membrane. It doesn't, it doesn't care which, which way it needs to be waterproof from. Um, essentially like if you, it works off of a gradient of heat and, and driving force of having your body heat force moisture out to the, to the exterior environment. When you're submerged, it actually works better because you have a higher gradient, um, or, or, or more of a driving force to go across the membrane. When you get salt buildup on the inside of a waiter or a jacket, um, it essentially creates like, it's like a cell, you know, essentially like a, you know, bio, you know, like in, in like high school biology, like the way that your, your cells like pull moisture into them. It's through a, dip, a gradient of, of salinity. So you can, if you don't clean your jacket, you can get wet in a saltwater environment on the inside. If you have a higher salinity, like of, of crystallized salt inside your jacket. So we always, always try to tell folks, especially folks that fish in the saltwater, um, 
wash and wash and dry your Gore-Tex garment. So, um, you know, like, and we don't, we don't really align with any care or repair, uh, brand out there, but the key is to not use a detergent. Um, you know, you don't want to use Tide. Um, you want like, so Nick Wax, Granger's, uh, um, Revivex all make great products out there to, to wash your, your Gore-Tex garments and, and you can wash them right in your, in the, uh, waders are tough because they, there's stocking feet and, and suspenders and things like that. But you can, you can hose wash a waiter. Um, all gore garments from a jacket to a bib can go right in your washing machine at home and you can throw them straight in the dryer. And that, that drying actually, um, it actually reactivates the DWR. Um, and it's actually really good for it. So, um, you know, like we, we encourage folks to wash their, uh, wash their, uh, their gore jackets and bibs with a, with a technical wash. Well, that is news to me, my friend. It, it, um, it's news to a lot of people. You, like you would be, you, people are almost afraid. They think they're going to hurt their jacket, and it's that, um, that is exactly how I felt about it. I, I have that downrigger jacket is it is hanging up in my backyard right now because it smells terrible because I got I got trout slime and and sheephead slime and all kinds of fish slime on it, and I, I hit it with a hose all the time, but. I've been scared. I, I don't know what to wash it with. So, uh, so, so you're saying to wash it like in my washer and your home and your wash. Do you have a front loader or a top loader? Uh, front. Okay. So front loader, um, front loader is more gentle on the garment. So what you can do is like, like look up Nick wax, uh, technical wash. So that like there's two, there's, it's two steps, right? You have a, you have a, you have a cleaner, and then you have uh, you have a DWR um, like reapplication that can, that you can put on there if your DWR degrades. You don't have to use the DWR um, every single time. That stuff's like it it lasts for a few washes. Fish slime, gunk that that stuff is like the number one killer of you know of DWR. And then ironically, actually, body oil is one of the things that that can destroy a gore garment the fastest because what happens is it gets into it can it can actually fill the gore membrane with your oil, body oil and by washing your garments uh like fairly regularly you know like i mean i i, I wash my gore jackets probably three or four times a season just because like it it's something that that is really good for the the jacket to stay clean because it, it you're not gonna have a you're not gonna have a failure over the course of of the life and like the number one the number one time if we get a leaking garment 99 percent at the time it comes from lack of care and it comes from lack of tip like lack like basically body and you'll notice like when we build our jackets we put this really massive patch that we put the grunas logo on on the inside on our gore that's intentionally because it's there as an extra barrier kind of for where it sits right on your neck um that 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 is like the one spot that we see um failure in a jacket because of lack of lack of cleaning um but yeah that that's i mean it's kind of a like people people really freak out when you tell them you got to wash your gore jacket and then don't be afraid to dry it on high heat because it, it will, it, it's the best thing for that jacket you can do. Dude, that is, I have never heard that. And I would assume a lot of people haven't either. <laughs> I've been, it, the statistic you're talking about, I've been like, shit, man, I paid $400 for this jacket. I'm not about to wash it and ruin it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, and it, it, it's in Gore, Gore-Tex does a really good job of like, they do these consumer events in the outdoor space to talk about this, but man, you know, like it somehow, like it never really translates to fishing, you know? And I think like, and you know, we, we tell like anytime we do a clinic for a shop, we, we go into the care repair, um, and, uh, and how to, how to clean a, how to clean a garment. Cause like 
and and it's quite honestly for these dealers it's an amazing add-on sale like if you're you're in there buying lures and you should probably pick up some you know some most most of our dealers do you know nick wax is more widely distributed um i do see grangers in a few shops but for the most part it's it's nick wax they they do a uh, a good job of um you know and dealers will buy it and they'll sell it and to to the accounts and it's it's not cheap you know you're gonna you're probably gonna spend 20 bucks for both um the detergent and the uh and the dwr uh refresh but- yeah so I'm, I'm looking at it right now uh you you you've piqued my interest for sure um so on Amazon, it's a it's a Nick Wax hard shell cleaning and waterproof duo pack. There you go. So there's a a tech a tech wash and a TX direct. What what's that sell for? Twenty two bucks. Okay, yeah, that, that's kind of um and um and you can and and you can use that. So the other thing too is on technical uh, technical layers. Um, it's so that that Nick Wax is it, it's a very different soap. It's not a it's a non detergent cleaner. Um when you have polyester like fleeces and things like that, um, they, the, 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 like the, the surfactants that are in, um, a, you know, just a standard household detergent and like it, it, and the worst thing you can put on a technical garment is fabric softener. Cause that's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, I've known that. So uh, when I was in the army, you know, we had poly pro and we had all kinds of different, different stuff for the winter. And, and that was always the big thing is like, do not, I don't use fabric softener at all on anything. Cause I've, I've always heard and, and realized that it, it just destroys things. So it, yeah, yeah and I stay away from fabric it, softener. If you wash your, um, if you get, you know, like sometimes if you're wearing a, po- a, a, a polyester fleece, like polyester and body oil want to want they want to bond together. They want to like, basically, if you sweat in a fleece, like you get oil in it and that oil wants to like, it's it's oleophobic, uh, sorry, oleophilic. It likes to it likes to attract that and bond right to the um, right to the kind of the, the the fiber and the and the molecule of you know polyester just essentially is it's petroleum. Um, so that um, that like you can use that tech wash also to um, to clean your layers. You can use it to clean stuff. You know, like um, you know, and a lot of you know a lot of like workout gear. Like the lady, like my wife, she 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 runs a lot of high end workout gear. You know, it's like, um, it, it, like it, it's insane how much a pair of tights sells for these days, right? Oh uh, uh, yeah, and yeah. and yeah, but she'll use that to to basically to like maintain the life of those tights because it's the, they're not cheap. So- I don't, I don't mean to derail our podcast a little bit too much, but you've really, really piqued my interest here. And I, I, I don't know if I'm an idiot for not knowing about this, but I feel like I've never seen or heard of this stuff, man. And I'm looking at it just, just for everybody. Again, that's, that's Nick Wax. It's N-I-K-W-A-X. And uh, I'm looking at it, Curtis, and, it, and it's two, it's two bottles. So are you, is this just like a, like what kind of, is it like a like a liquid that you put in with it and then you or how how does this how do you use this on your Gore-Tex stuff? Okay, so um so the so the the first the tech wash is it you know you put that right in the drawer for um uh like the, if you pull out like where the detergent goes in the washing machine, you can put it right there. Okay. Um there's two types of TX direct. Um one is a spray on and the other is a wash in. So whichever one so you would you would basically do if you're going to go the wash in route you would go two cycles you know one to, one to clean one to wash in the DWR um, and if you're going to um, if you were going to do the spray on version and I, I guess for whatever reason I've always used the, fr- the spray on because I, I um, 
and I don't know why. I guess you know, like it, it's just kind of always what's been around or whatever, whatever I bought. And for what it's worth, we have no affiliation with these guys. Like they, they, um, I'm working on trying to get this to be part of our product line where we buy it just to help resell to retailers to help kind of facilitate them getting it. Um, I just, I've used it for years and I believe in it. And, um, you, you can spray that TX direct on and, and then basically immediately put that in the dryer and you can dry that into your garment and it, and it comes out of there ready to go. Um, it's, so you could, so I'm just flabbergasted by this. (laughs) So, so you can wash them with this and, and then, so if you use a spray, you're going to, you're going to, are you going to wash it and then dry it? No, no. I I would say follow the directions on that bottle because I, I, I I probably do it wrong. I, I spray it on when it's wet um, and I don't let it dry. I just put it, I basically spray that jacket out. I'll take it out in the garage so it doesn't get all over the laundry room floor spray it down and then get the jacket covered really, really well and focus on, you know, I, I try to focus around like neck and shoulders and areas that are just like going to take a beating from the rain. And then I'll take it right back inside and throw it right in the dryer and put and and put the dryer on high heat. And I give it about 15 minutes and that's all it needs to be dry. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at it right now and it's saying um, you're, you're doing it right. Cause it says do not dry before waterproofing. So uh, so yeah, so you do the wash and then you do the waterproofing and then you dry it. Yeah. So yeah, very, very interesting. And so you can do this with Gore-Tex waders as well. You can do it with Gore-Tex waders. The waders are tough. So, so we, you know, Gore says high heat cause that will reactivate all of this DWR. Now, um, would you, now would you want to wash those waders inside out or what? Um, I do it with a car wash brush and a bucket and I do it, uh, it like, out and I'll do it outside and I'll get the kids to hose me off. Okay. Um, so not, not, not in a washing machine. Yeah. The way and, and I say that because like, so when we put a garment together, the t- the seam tape gets applied at like right at 600 degrees Fahrenheit. So your dryer can't even, it can't even come close to hurting your seam tape. The, the heat that applies us that holds a stocking foot together is a very, it's a, it's a contact cement. And it's a, it's kind of a, it has a low, um, heat activation temperature. So it's, it basically is a, it, it go, you, you basically attach this, like you would attach like an old school, um, let's see, I'm trying to think what it like, it, it, it's mainly pressure sensitive adhesive that holds stocking feet together. The neoprene and neoprene is, a, it's a, it's its own, it's its own, it's got its own gremlins in it. Right. So we, um, we try not to wash a, a waiter or, or at least put a waiter in a dryer because of the, um, uh, because of the activation of that, you'll, you could, you could potentially get a stocking foot leak from, from dryer heat. Um, yeah. you, you, and, and then front load, you know, if you're going to put a waiter in a front loader, it's totally fine to do it that way, but just hang dry it, you know? And, and, and um, you know, if you want to be, if you, and I say that because like, it's really important to not put a waiter in a, in a, in a, uh, a top load traditional agitator. Um, you like th- those things like eat suspenders quickly. So we, we try to, stay yeah, away from I, don't, I don't, I don't think anybody, anybody that I've known or heard of has even thought about putting waders in a washing machine. I was just, I was just curious here because I, I've, I've wondered this for a while, man. Cause like I said, I might go two maybe three days at most without rinsing them. But, um, I've always at some point rinsed them pretty good and then, you know, hung them up and, and hung them up to dry as, as long as I could before I got to, you know, run my next trip. But, and, and I've always told my clients, uh, um, 
that's good to know about the oil because I, I knew there was something there. Um, I didn't know the science behind it, but um, you know, I, I'm all, always wear like I don't know what they're called, man. Like the like the polyester, like I don't want to say the word leggings or spandex, but I guess that's what it is. But you know, springtime when it's not that cold. My, basically my skin's never touching my waders. And I tell my clients that too, like, don't, don't wear jeans, you know, but wear sweatpants or wear something to where your skin's not touching it because, and I've always told them that just because the funk, you know, it's going to build up a funk inside of there and, um, and it'll ruin them. So that, that's definitely really good to know as well. Well, it, you, the, I mean, you can actually get cold in a pair of waders pretty quick by, being bare skin because it, it it basically the the like you you get this effect called cold bridging when you you get that garment next to your your legs or your body and it and it actually kind of acts like a it, it acts like kind of standing next to like a cold like window in a house in the winter time kind of like that's the, the effect that you get and and honestly like having a a technical layering system that's not cotton based you know so um synthetic polyester or polyester nylon blends um that that creates the environment for, um, for that driving force. So basically what you do is like, you want to get that, you want to get moisture off your body. So you're not cold. Um, and then the technical layering is designed to hold that moisture vapor that comes out of your body or hold that sweat. And then it's there to just kind of push it straight into the Gore-Tex membrane. It works really well. It, it works in, it works together just from a, you know, from a build a driving force up and get it out of the waiter when you're in the water. So I guess while we're on it, you, you've really piqued my interest here, and I really want to, I really want to, uh, I want to pick at your brain for a minute. Um, so, what would you suggest are the best care practices for Gore-Tex waders? I.e., when you, so I just want to tell you what I do, and you can tell me if I'm doing it wrong or not. So, in a perfect world, you know, I'm, I'm in salt water all day. I get back, um, I, I rinse my waders off good with fresh water and I just hang them upside down, um, at my house until tomorrow, until the next day. And then I, you know, put them on the next morning. And then probably if I get a chance, like if I get a break in weather or, um, you know, maybe I have a day off, I will turn them inside out and rinse them really good and let them dry like that as well. But I'm lucky if that happens, you know, maybe uh, once a week at most that I can do the inside out, rinse them out. But I'm never really sweating hard in my waders, man, because if I'm wearing my waders, it, it's usually too cold. You know, for I, if, if I don't wear if I don't have to wear my waders, I won't. I, I really I, I like wearing waders, but I also like waiting, you know, without them as well. So. What are the best care practices for waders to, to really promote the longevity of them? I mean, I just learned about this whole washing them thing. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have any trips uh, after – I got trips Friday and Saturday. Today is Wednesday, but I don't have anything next week. I'm working on some other stuff, but I'm going to wash all my Gore-Tex stuff <laughs> after this with this Nick Black stuff. But what are some of the best care practices to really help keep the longevity of your Gore-Tex stuff? I mean, you're, I think you're doing more than most people already do like that. I mean, you're, you're doing the right things. I think, I mean, you can, rinsing goes a long way. I think like, in, especially on the inside of a waiter, if you can, if you can dry it out, it's just, it's really about getting sweat out of there and getting, um, and getting, you know, essentially, you know, the other thing too, is like, 
stocking feet can build up a um, build up a funk pretty quick. So rinsing all that out, you know, it's it's really really important. Um, and and I think you know, you're you're doing it right. I mean, I'd say you know the you're washing your waders more than most guides that I, I like like most people never wash their waders, and then you know and they only wash their waders if like like the they got something nasty on them versus like just kind of care and maintenance. So, I, I mean, I, I think you're, you've hit it on the head, man. You're doing, you're doing, you're doing this right. And I think just adding that, uh, adding a, you know, to your outerwear and bibs, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the, 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 the laundry, the home laundry system works great. Yeah. So I, I guess that's just what I'll throw in there is I'm usually wearing bibs till, you know, maybe May, maybe into may depending on the temperatures i really i don't I, i'm a sissy when it comes to the cold dude i'm not gonna lie uh i i really pretty sensitive to the cold so I, I dress as warm as i can but um maybe by the time i'm done wearing my waders i'll, I'll throw in this washing them with the nick wax and um that should that should definitely help them but yeah man all my clients that come with me is same way, man. When, when we get, to, you know, m- most people are going to book two days because they're they're usually traveling pretty far to get here, so they're not really just want want to fish one day, and so they'll they'll usually book two days. And by the end of that second day, you know, we we've got everything out that we use that whole time, and I'll go ahead and you know hit their rods and reels and all their baits with that salt's gone, and then I tell them, you know, hey, you know, leave your waders up on that wall, and I'll I'll go ahead and you know rinse them off good too. So, um, that's good to know that, 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 that is the, that is the right thing to do, but I'm just pretty, never heard of that Nick Wax and I'm going to be interested to, to, to hear after this podcast comes out, any of the messages I get that people that either tell me I'm dumb for not knowing about it or tell me, Hey, that's pretty awesome. I didn't know about that either. It's going to be one of those two answers. So, but I, I, I feel like I would kind of know about that by now. That's kind of, that's, that's very, very interesting. So, um, that's that that's really cool man um what what is uh we're we're getting pretty long on time here but um what are what are what does grunnins have planned for the future if you can talk about it um any other waiter things i i want to say and hopefully i can say this and i can edit it out if not but I, I maybe that jacket you were talking about i think dennis said y'all were working on a waiter specific jacket yeah i, I i'm i'm happy to talk about that i think um we've got yeah, so there's uh, we've got a we've got a series of non Gore-Tex waders coming out here um, in mid February. So they ship to dealers um, February fifteenth, I think, is our our they they show up in our warehouse here in the next week or two, and we're we're gonna we're gonna start delivering to retail uh, mid February on that. They're a uh, um, it's a really you know come, we're basically trying to target uh, some more approachable price points. So we have a men's and women's waiter at three hundred and fifty dollars, and we have a um, a more, I would say, heavy duty, burly version of that waiter that comes out at four hundred ninety nine dollars. So, um, two like two really, you know, like like those price points are, you know, like we launched with the Gore Tex price point that you know that's an like expensive waiter for a lot of people. You know, like like five ninety nine all the way up to um, you know, like seven ninety nine for waiters. It's like that's that's a, it's an investment that people have to make, um, and recognizing that there's an entire like community like group of anglers out there that fish 10 days a year you know it's like they that we're trying to bring bring the the benefits of our waders down to more approachable price points with that that and then i want to i want to jump in real quick on that though curtis yeah um i will say that 
<clears throat> I feel like Waiters is one of those products, and, and maybe y'all will change that with this new line coming out, but it is definitely one of those products that you get what you pay for. I, I can't tell you how many pairs of all the other brands I went through, dude, before I bit the bullet and bought a pair of Sims and then they lasted five, six years, you know, for sure. So, yeah. It, it, you, uh, you do it's, get, it's, you do get what you pay for. And I, and I think like, yeah. um, and, and I, you know, I think like there's a lot of great waiters on the market, you know, like I, I we, we for sure don't bad mouth competitors, you know, and I think, um, everybody's got their own perspective and point of view and why, you know, like why waiters are just a little bit different or why they're, they're made the way they are, you know, and I, but, uh, but yeah, I agree. You know, like we, we, we partner with Gore-Tex on our upper end range, you know, on everything that we do uh, in the, in the outerwear and waiter world. And, you know, th- there is an advantage there. And I think like, I, I see it as, you know, the partnership that Gore-Tex brings to the table um, is truly around, you know, the testing that those guys are doing long before a, a laminate makes it into a collection book that, that, you know, a product team can choose. Um, but then, you know, but yeah, and, and I think I guess that segues into what else are we bringing into the market? Um, we have a we have a Gore Tex jacket designed for waiting. Um, uh, that'll be out. Uh, that'll be out next year. So, uh, well, no, sorry, technically, it'll be out this fall. Um, we it'll it's uh it it delivers in August um, for the fall fishing season, and it um, it has a has a really innovative system in it. Um, the name of the jacket's the Portal. Um, the whole idea is that like there's a, there's a pass through system that allows you to get into your waiter hand warmers, um, in there and Interesting. really unique. Um, and, uh, and I, and the other, the other one was like, you know, like we're going to, uh, we're going to trans, uh, transport you to a whole different dimension of warmth. You know, like that's another, but all my marketing ideas kind of fall flat sometimes. Um, so that's one where, uh, you know, it's, it's really about kind of being able to get your hands not through, not into your hand warmer of your jacket, but also all the way into your body on a cold day. Really, really, really nice, like well thought out design. Um, and then from a boot, uh, a boot system, we've got some, we've got some non leather boots coming. You know, I think like basically, uh, really try, you know, trying to tar, you know, to align with the lower price point uh, launch that that's coming up this spring. Um, we've got a, uh, we got a boot project coming in the fall to support that. Um, and it's just really trying to open up opportunities for, 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 you know, a broader group of consumers to experience the, the Grunin's waiting system. Yeah. So I, I recently ordered, um, <clears throat> I wanted to get a, a, a Grunin's, um, jacket to wear when I'm waiting. So, so if I'm wearing a jacket when I'm waiting, the, the, the main point of that jacket for me while I'm waiting is to cut wind, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I've, I've usually, you know, if it's cold, I'm going to have some sort of base layer on. That's really is what's going to keep me warm. And then the function of a jacket is either going to be if it's misty, foggy, you know, if it's wet or if it's really windy. And I just want something that just cuts that wind and, and the Gore-Tex uh, does a great job of that, but I actually ordered one. Uh, I want to say it was, it wasn't the, y'all have one, a, a, a Gore-Tex one, a, it's like a buoy X. Uh, is it, uh, anorak? Is that yep. what it, we, is? We, we, we make the buoy X in a jacket and an anorak. The anorak's like, gives you a little more protection. 
Yeah, so I, I didn't get the Gore-Tex Anorak, but it was a it was an Anorak jacket, but it's just not Gore-Tex. It, that's probably our full share. We have, we have like so we 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 build we have one Anorak design and we we run that in in three different materials. So we have it in a PU, which is you know like waterproof, non-breathable. Then we have uh, uh, we have the full share, which is two and a half layer. That that's more targeted. Like we built that for our commercial fishing market. So that's the one I got. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. So I love the, I have the Bowie X, um, just the, it's not an Anorak, it's just a Bowie X jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I love the neoprene, um, that, that goes against your wrist to keep water from coming in. And so that was why I ordered that, that Anorak and, I don't want to talk bad about it, but the only thing I don't like about it is that it doesn't have pockets in the front, you know, like, like to put my hands or, or a way to get to the jacket. So it's nice to hear that y'all are, y'all are working on something like that. But for, for me using it for wading so far, it's, it's worked great. Like I'll wear it either on the outside of my, 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 my waders or on the inside, you know, just depending if it's raining, I'm obviously not going to put on the inside because the water's just going to fall on the inside of my waders. But um, I, I've really liked it. I've liked that little neoprene. I think that I think y'all are probably the only people doing that. And, and it's hard for me to explain that for the people that are listening. If you haven't seen those jackets, but the it's got like a neoprene sleeve inside of your sleeve. So whenever um, you can pull the sleeve back. And then there's a neoprene going around your wrist to keep water from coming in. I don't know if that's the point of it, Curtis, yeah, but it, it, it does a great job of well, that. Well, so the, the shingling on there keeps that neoprene from getting wet in the rainstorm. Obviously, if you dunk your cuff, it's going to get wet. Yeah. We so that comes out of our commercial line. Like we we've been we've we've been putting that cuff on uh, on jackets for 20 years, and you know, and I think like it, it, it it's just how we we modified a design from the commercial pvc pieces that we build in portugal um to work for the sport fishing customer so realizing that the you know like like the like we build that you know like the atlas show a glove for commercial fishing it has to integrate with it like and and if you threw your if you threw your wrist in that without a glove on in our commercial jacket it wouldn't fit but then we we scale that thing down to fit next to your wrist and work with like a low profile fishing glove for sport fish um so all the gore gets a you know it gets a slightly different spec because because it's just a different end use and uh um but yeah i mean like we we i guess i won't say we're the only ones now we, we've been ripped off by folks out there but um so I, I what mean, what is that 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 full share one the full share interact um what material is that then because it's so far for me it's it's very waterproof and it's very windproof it Honestly, dude, it reminds me of Gore-Tex. I, I would love to know what the difference is between that material and Gore-Tex. So it uses a so we use a really heavy duty face fabric on it. So it, it has a um it, it it has a like a three hundred and twenty denier Taslin like extra burly outside that's going to be abrasion resistant. Um, and we do we custom build that land. I mean that that's a ground up development that we run. Uh, and like where we you know like we custom built that textile for fishing for commercial fishing. Um. And it has a two and a half layer on the inside. So meaning that what you see on the inside of that jacket is actually the membrane. When you look at Gore-Tex, Gore-Tex is, um, it's the Gore-Tex engine is buried behind a, a, a interior Trico lining that you can't, so you can't see it. Um, 
but the but we we build that so it's to be really fish gunk resistant so um they, it's a it's a film laminated two and a half layer and what that means i mean i guess if you compare it to gore it's you know it's roughly like gore's three times more breathable than than that than that garment um so we build a lot of mechanical ventilation into it it just has to be really waterproof and has to be really really contamination resistant over you know like over the, the we build it to be abused and from the from the ground up um and uh our commercial fishing guys um don't want pockets so that it, there's no pocket in it because a pocket's a liability because you have a zipper and that zipper can get caught in gear and um yeah and it so we do put a pocket in our gore the gore interact gets a pocket the full share does not get a pocket um by you know by intent of uh you know just kind of in use for what we're trying to what we're trying to design and build for yeah no doubt and i just that was a jacket that it, it seemed to kind of fit the bill for for what i wanted it for you know and and truth be told dennis was telling me y'all were working on a a jacket specifically for wade fishing so no, in the, we, we in, have two of them coming it was a lot cheaper than the gore-tex so i <laughs> got that one they'll they'll be out in they'll be out in august this year um you know i think a lot of dealers take them take delivery on those september october um uh, but the but we'll have it available in August to, to, to ship to, it'll be on grunders.com. It'll be on, you know, like key partners that are bought into that, that style early, you know, like it sold in really well, I think. Uh, and it, and it, it's, you know, just really about building a jacket that functions as a system with our waiter program. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Well, man, um, I really enjoyed this conversation and, and I hope our listeners do as well. I, I love digging into the technical side of stuff. And I think you went, you went pretty deep into it, man. And that's, uh, I think you shed a light on a lot of stuff that, um, you know, just a lot of people don't get to hear, you know, that, that's the whole point of these podcasts is that, um, the chances of somebody just randomly running into you and being able to hear this and, and pick your brain or, you know, kind of slim to none unless, you know, you're, you're in that world and, or going to the same shows you are, or, or you know, fishing shows or whatever. But, uh, I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on and doing this. And I hope our listeners got a learned a little bit. I definitely learned a lot. Uh, I didn't know about a lot of that stuff and that's really cool to, to hear what goes into the behind the scenes part of, of these. And, you know, waiters is a very, expensive investment uh it can be you know it can be a cheap one but i'm here to tell you and and anybody who's been doing it for a while will tell you too man those cheap ones aren't going to last you and it's it's worth spending that little bit of extra money and and getting a pair that you're going to keep for a long time and speaking of that uh, i kind of feel like i'm definitely on the inside here because you just found out about this today as well (laughs) but i found out at the same day you did but um you want you speak on this 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 little warranty thing y'all are throwing in there now? Well, well yeah, I um I you know you never want to find out about something like this from the from one of your reps, but I did like Dennis like Dennis texted me today, and I had to go I had to go hit and and it and it, and it so I guess it isn't part of the like I I mean I wrote the warranty policy for our waiters program, um and uh, we work closely with a place called Rainy Pass out of um they have two locations one in Seattle one just outside of Asheville, North Carolina and old fort where we can, we repair waiters on the East and West coast to be able to do quick turnaround. Um, the, something that the, that the pro team came up with, you know, like an idea here of like, Hey, how do we, how do we, how do we service our pros better? Like basically professional guides 
that are on the Grundens guide program. Um, and Justin, Justin's our guy that, that runs that program, you know, it, and, and these guys, I mean, it's, and it's not, you know, like pro staff has gotten nuts, right? Like, I think if you, if you have an Instagram account and you, you know, like you're, you, you fish, like you, you, like most brands will cut you in and, and sell you something to discount, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's a sore subject yeah, with me. Yeah. It's yeah. gone, it's gone too far. So we, you know, we have a very, you know, our guide program, um, requires a very specific documentation. Like you have to have a guide license. Um, you, and like, like, I believe it's, you know, it's, it's guide license or captain's license, like from, you know, like us coast guard, like, like captain's license that, that that's required. And Justin's got a whole vetting process. Like, so um, if you're, if you're like, you know, like to basically prevent like somebody that's out there, like moonlighting as a guy to basically to, to, to go and, you know, if, if they're, if they're, fi- if they're fishing clients, you know, just like kind of off the cuff, but they're not really like licensed, like, like, that, like that, those, those guys, they're, we're trying to weed those, that crowd out. Right. Like, it's really about if you earn a bit, if you earn a living and you've got the documentation, we want to work with you. Um, and, uh, that's, and, and I, so the, I guess to cut to the chase here, um, the pro like Justin leading the pro team, um, went and got approval from like senior management, um, on this one to, to basically, um, to create this, no questions asked warranty, you know, around waiters for pros. Um, so basically taking, you know, like one step further for like, if you're on the pro team, um, and, um, we're, we're, we're really just trying to like take that community to the next level with like service and realizing like, and, and not because like, you know, like we obviously want to win guides over, but we realize that you guys work in these things. And, um, I mean, I, I just go, you know, I go back to looking at tools, right? Like any professional tool for, you know, an auto mechanic to, you know, anybody that's building, you know, using their equipment in a professional capacity, you, you have to, you, you have to take like warranty. Warranty is there to, to, to replace a defect. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and there's a case like there's, there's a lot of situations where a defect, it, it like if a defect's there, we're going to take care of you as a customer. That's how we roll, um, as a brand on any product. But when things get used and abused, there's still a commitment that you have to that, to, you know, to that guy that I, like, Hey, we want to turn your, we want to turn your warranty around or your repair around faster. So, um, the, the whole deal here is that, you know, like if you're, um, if you're on the, the pro program, you get a higher level of service for, um, for turnaround and it's a no questions asked replacement of waiters. So, um, which is unheard of in the industry. And I'm still like mind blown that we're doing that, but, um, but you know, I, yeah, I agree. Well, I agree with the reason behind it now. Yeah. We're saying it on a podcast, so they're going to have to honor it from here. Well, it's going to be at the end of the podcast, so only people that listen to this point like will hear it. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to trust me. They do. But but, but I mean, I think the the most important thing too is like I think people, anybody that's had any interaction with our brand, um, you you really have to screw up something to not get a product covered under warranty. Um, you know, like, like we, like we, the benefit of the doubt always goes to the angler. And, um, and I, and I, I mean, I like, like it takes years and so much, like so much marketing dollars to like, to bring a customer into the brand. Like you can, you can ruin that relationship with one bad experience. So, um, you know, our whole, our whole ethos is like a brand is like, we're going to take care of you. And, yeah, I can, I can, I've been here six years and I can count, I can count the times that a failure 
or, or uh, I can't not even a failure. Like a, a, somebody's somebody has a problem with a garment and it didn't get replaced. And you kind of hear about these like because it's rare, right? It's so rare that somebody had to really pull some shenanigans out there and really try to bullshit the the customer service team because they're they're wired to just like take care of you. Um, uh, there's a couple of good ones I won't get into. We probably don't have enough time, but like, just know, like, if the, if a product is bad, if we if we don't hold up to our end of the bargain on like product quality, I want that replaced. I want to. I like. I take a lot of pride into 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 what we build and how we make and how we show up in the market. Like, we're we're gonna look out for you. Yeah, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised, man, and I, I kind of. Didn't want to say this on the podcast, but I guess I'm going to now because you just said all that. But uh, you know, I had a pair of those those charter bibs, the the Gore-Tex charter bibs, and um, God, I don't even remember what I paid for, man. But they were not cheap, and I ripped a hole in them. I did, you know, it was it was 100 my fault, and you know, I sent Dennis a picture and with like a sad emoji face, and I was like, I'm an idiot. I ripped a hole in them, and he was like, All right, I'll get them replaced, and I was like. Nah, man. Like I totally did this. He's like lifetime warranty, bruh. You know how he talks. Yeah. He, <laughs> I was like, all right, and yeah, dude. Sure enough, I sent the warranty stuff in. They sent me a new one. I was like, I was blown away. I even told them. I said, man, this is my fault. And they're like, yeah, well, it shouldn't have ripped. Here's a new pair. I was like, wow, okay. So, well, well, I mean, I think, and it comes down to customers are hard to come by, right? Like, like there's a lot of brands out there that build great gear. Um you're going to be happy with, you know, like you've mentioned a few brands on this podcast already, but like, you're going to be happy with gear. I think like, because we're all making gear at the pinnacle of the market these days. Um, the difference, what makes the difference is like how you treat your customers and how you treat the people that invest in you as a brand. And, you know, like I get to do what I do because we, 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 we make like, we make profit and, and it's, and it's a decision, you know, around like, Hey, like, like we're, like we're, we're in the, we're, we're in this business to make money. But at the end of the day, like, you know, like not, you know, like we're, we're not flying around the company, the country in private jets and making, you know, like oil money, you know, it's, it literally is like, it comes down to like, you know, just take care of people and do the right thing. And at the end of the day, doing the right thing is gonna, is going to be what has like, it's good. It's going to be the reason why, why you succeed or why you fail. Like, and you've got to choose, um, you got to choose to take care of your customers. And it's just that it's that short. Yeah, hundred percent, man. You are you are spot on there. That's that's how I've built my business, and I, I say all the time, I'm extremely lucky, and the the way things fell in my favor are very lucky. But then I get reminded by my clients and my family and my friend. Well, you know, you put in a ton of hard work, and you treat people great, and that's true, man. I treat my clients like gold, and and it 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 comes back on me tenfold. Like even the people that. I hate to say this, but there's been people that didn't really deserve to get treated the way that I treated them. And I still did anyways. And, uh, at first I was kind of like, man, you know, maybe I shouldn't have bend over backwards for that person. And then lo and behold, some, sometime down the road, it, it ended up, you know, good thing I did, you know? So, uh, I, I agree with that a hundred percent, man. It, and you know, I got three boys, you know, between the ages of, um, eight and 14. And I tell them constantly, you know, like, you know, like, nobody cares what you, what happens when somebody's looking, you know, it's like, it's what you're doing when, when no one's around or you're not getting, you're, you're not getting direct credit for that is, is really how, is really how like you will be measured in this world. It's, and, and, and I, th- and I think like that, that's just you know, a lot of our DNA, I think as a, as a brand and who we are 
in, you know, in this industry, because it's too small of a world to like not take care of people. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, look, I've taken up plenty of your time. We're, we're hitting that two hour mark, man. Uh, so, uh, I don't, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I, I think we got everything we needed through this and, I really, really appreciate you coming on and doing this and, and spilling your knowledge and and uh, helping us all learn a little bit more uh, about all of this. And I hope everybody, you know, got something from this. Um, and obviously, you know, you can order these online at, at Gronins.com. And I know uh, Waterloo Outfitters, a huge supporter of us. I know that they have them. And I think there's a couple other big ones in Texas um, that, that have them as well. I just... I just know that because I was just there um, a couple of weeks ago and, and I saw them in there. So uh, if you're wanting to go get your hands on them, I know Waterloo's got some and um, maybe some of the other big stuff, big, big time shops over there in Texas might have some as well. But um, Curtis, man, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure that you'll be hearing from me in the future from some other things, <laughs> but um Thanks so much for your time, man. And I hope y'all really enjoyed this one. No worries. Thanks. Thanks for having me on here. And it's really an honor to be a part of this. So, you know, like I'm happy to talk product anytime. Love, like truly love what we do as, you know, as a line of work and I'm always stoked to show, to, to share that with people. Awesome. Well, good deal, man. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm sorry, y'all. I don't have a cool sign off like Chris and I'm not going to steal his. So until the next one, we'll see y'all. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, man. Bye.